Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. All right, Deacon Fitz, would you start with prayer? Yes. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of Bible study. Praying to God as always that you continue, God, to anoint uh, the apostle to God to give us your word, Heavenly Father. And I pray, God, that you will continue to open up our understanding of your word, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. That, God, that we continue to grow in your word and to walk in your will and your way, Heavenly Father. And bless all that is on the line and coming on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we we are studying the promises of God, and we know that we're anchoring this particular uh, lesson on uh, 1 John 2 and 16, uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so we are anchoring uh, the promises of God on this particular scripture, uh, saying that the promises of God are not according to the world's view, but they are for they are geared toward the inward man, because we realize that out of the heart flows the issues of life. And so we're understanding that all that pertains to our life flows from out of our heart and from our concept and perspective or paradigm of life. And so we understand that God has given us, when we're born again, a new heart, okay, a new spirit, a new way of seeing things. And so uh, in studying the promises of God, we've already studied uh, the promises, um, uh, the promises of salvation, that he promised us salvation, and he promised us a new life, and he promised us freedom, He also promised us forgiveness and righteousness. He promised us the Holy Spirit. He also promised us deliverance from evil. He promised us his presence. He promised us spiritual growth. And he promised us spiritual gifts. And so now we're moving into uh, God promises future blessings. And so we understand from last week that God promised us eternal life. And that particular topic moved me so much that it has become the meditation of my heart to understand that God has promised us life beyond what we understand and what we see, that he has promised us eternal life. And so today we want to speak on uh, uh, God promises us life after death. And so that's that's specifically related to eternal life, because eternal life uh, means that we have life after death. Uh, But um, i like to bring your attention to Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 11th verse. Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 11th verse. 
Romans, the 8th chapter and the 11th verse. But it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So we understand that the raising from the dead is just not we're going to be raised from the dead, but we're going to be raised by the spirit of God that dwells in us. We're going to be raised from uh, the state of being dead to a new life or being raised from the dead, but that's going to be by the spirit of God that dwells in us. And so we understand that Although we are dead, our spirit still remains, okay? Uh, that's a part of the eternal life that he has promised us. So the, although this mortal body has uh, ceased from existing or ceased from breathing, we do understand that there is a spirit in us that lives. And by that spirit will God raise us from the dead. So the same spirit that dwells in him is the same spirit that dwells in us. And so as Jesus prayed to the Father, he said, I pray that they become one, even as we are one. So that we're one, one together, and then they are in us, and we are all one. And so we understand that by the oneness of Christ, that we will be quickened and raised by his spirit. And so... Uh, God has promised us eternal life, and so he's also promised us life after death. And like I said on Sunday, there's more to life than we can understand or even uh, uh, comprehend. God has promised us life after after death. And the scripture uh, 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 bears this out uh, by uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, 52 through 53. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, 52 through 53. So he says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall put and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So we find that God has not just promised us life here on earth, but he has promised us life after death. And so we have to become cognizant and conscious of there is another life that God has promised us, that life just does not end with our dying. And so um, it, it brings me comfort in knowing that those who have transitioned uh, on before us, that God has promised us life after death, life after death. Because he says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And so incorruptible means that no more will you be destroyed. No more will corruption be a part of your existence. You will be raised incorruptible. There will be nothing that can destroy you any longer. And we shall be changed, 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. So the moral state of man is going to be changed. God has promised us life after death. The moral state, the mortality of man, uh, uh, the, the limitations of man, and the limitations that life provides is going to be changed from mortal to immortal. And these are some of the promises that we have to become cognizant of. And I think that we as Christians, we have become too focused on, and not to say that we want to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but I think that we have become too focused on this life and not preparing or looking for another life because we're acting as if we can drink eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, and that's the end of it. But I want you to know that that is not the end. Life continues after death, and God has promised that this mortal shall put on immortality. That means that I will not be destroyed. There will be nothing that can destroy my being. And these are the promises and the mysteries of God. And this is the hope that we have. And the scripture says that everyone that has this hope purifieth himself. And I'd like for us to turn to that scripture where it says everyone that has this hope purifieth himself. Okay, wait a minute. Purifieth. First John, the third chapter. Let's go to First John, the third chapter. First John, the third chapter says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So we have to understand that the world does not recognize us because we say we're Christians, because they didn't recognize Jesus when he said he was the Son of God. They didn't recognize him. They wanted to view him out of their own paradigm and their own ideology of who they thought God should be and how God should look. And that's the same thing that happens today, that people want to view us from a, a, a certain perspective of how they think a Christian should be according to their own paradigm and according to their own ideology. So we, not, we are not to be dismayed that they don't know us because they didn't know Christ. And he said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And so here is saying that, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. And so we understand that when he appears, that's when we're going to be caught up to meet him, and this incorruptible shall, this corruptible shall put on incorruptible, and this mortal shall put on immortality, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And this is the hope. Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. 
And so because of the hope of Christ, because of the hope of seeing Jesus when he comes, because of the hope that we are going to be like him, we continue to purify ourselves, that we no longer just live any old kind of way, but we watch what we do and how we do because we want to be like him. We want to see him when he comes, and we want to be like him. So everyone that has this hope of seeing Christ as he is purified himself. And so I don't want to give you a false hope in terms of, you know, God's going to raise us from the dead and we're going to live forever. The scripture says that if you have this hope, then you're going to purify yourself even as he is pure. And I want you to understand, I'm going to put emphasis on purify yourself. Amen. Not that Christ purifies you. Yes, he does purify you, but you have a responsibility to purify yourself. Amen. And even that he is pure. And so we are looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. This is the hope that the church has, that Jesus Christ is coming again. And so we don't just live as unto ourselves. We live with the hope of the appearing of Jesus Christ again. And so, uh, as I said, Jesus has promised us eternal life, and he has promised us life after death. Um, John, the 11th chapter, 25 to 26, um, Jesus was comforting Mary when uh, Mary was saying that her brother had died, Lazarus had died. And she was like, oh, my God, he's dead. And uh, Jesus said, well, do you believe that he'll rise again? And they said yes in the resurrection. But Jesus comforted them, saying to them, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so Jesus is not speaking of a future resurrection. He's speaking of the resurrection that happens while we are alive. And so we understand that that as Paul says, that he dies daily. I want to encourage you that there are several resurrections. As you continue to die, you're continually being resurrected. You are resurrected from dead thoughts and dead ways of being and dead uh, uh, awareness. You are, you are continually being made alive. And so Jesus was comforting her, saying that you don't have to wait until that great day when all is ended, when the last trump uh, calls and when the last trumpet cries for you to be resurrected. Don't you know that I am the resurrection? And I want you to know that you don't have to wait for Jesus Christ to return for you to walk in a greater awareness, for you to walk in the miracle-working power of God, for you to walk in the power of God. You don't have to wait until a mortal puts on immortality or corruptible puts on incorruptible. You can be resurrected daily. And I'm sure that we are all witnesses of being resurrected because when we were sinners, we were walking in sin and we were dead to God. And there was a resurrection that happened in our lives, especially those of us who were uh, addicted to drugs. 
we were bound in death to drugs, but a resurrection happened. We were resurrected from that place of death and destruction to a new way of being. Christ resurrected us. The old man died and the new man rose, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so he's comforting Mary and Martha, saying that I am the resurrection. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this? And so that goes back to the promise of eternal life, that God has promised us eternal life. And as I was saying on last week, Eternal life doesn't begin at the end of your life. Eternal life begins when you are born again, all right? And so he says that whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this. And so he's asking, you know, do you believe this? And as we were saying on last week, uh, some of us need to go back to uh, Christ and ask him to help us with our unbelief. Because there are some things that are just difficult to believe, some things that it goes beyond our comprehension, and we have to ask the Lord to help us in our unbelief. Uh, let's go back to Mark, the ninth chapter. Uh, Mark, the ninth chapter. Starting at the 20th verse, Mark the ninth chapter, and we, we discussed this last week, but I'd just like to reiterate this uh, for you. Mark the ninth chapter and the 20th verse, and they said, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, well, let's go back. Okay, saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Let's go back up to... the 17th verse, it gives more clarity and understanding. The 17th verse says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, this reminds me of different ones who come up for prayer and ask the pastor to pray for them, and they live in the same, they leave in the same state that they came in. And so I'm sure this this particular gentleman, He brought them to the disciples, having faith in the disciples to cast this devil out, but they could not. And so he probably walked away very discouraged. And so he said to Jesus, they couldn't do it. And so Jesus is reprimanding them and saying, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, Straightway the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. So 
So immediately the enemy in this child began to show out and show his power and began to intimidate. But he did not intimidate Jesus by his antics, by throwing the child on the ground and wallowing, foaming. And Jesus looked to his father and he said, how long ago has this come unto him? And his father answered and he said, of a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. So this particular devil was casting this child in the fire to be burned and into the water to be drowned. But he said, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to understand that I am the resurrection. I am the Son of God. If you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so the father recognized that there was a stumbling block in his way. And so he said, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But he said, help thou mine unbelief. And so we have to understand and not be afraid to say, I believe to a certain extent, but there is a part of me that does not believe. I'm asking you to help my unbelief. And so we as children of God, we have to go before God and saying some of the things that the scripture is saying and is bearing out is difficult for me to comprehend. It is difficult for me to believe. It is difficult for me to understand. But Lord, I'm asking you to help me in my unbelief, that I need to be resurrected from this place of unbelief. I need to move from unbelief to believing. I need to be moved from the place of doubt and and unbelief and discouragement and being resurrected into a new place of believing in you. And so uh, that's what Jesus said to Mary and Martha uh, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he questioned, he phrased this by saying, believe you this. And so this is probably a hard saying for them because they had just witnessed their brother dying. Lazarus had literally died. But he went to show them that death does not have any power over the believer, that you can be resurrected from the dead, that although you were you died corruptible, you can be raised incorruptible. Although Lazarus was lying in the grave stinking, probably corrupting worms and, 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 and maggots were probably eating up his flesh, Jesus was showing him that there is a resurrection from the dead that I am the resurrection. And so Jesus is promising us uh, eternal life, and he's promising us resurrection from the dead. He's promising us these things, life after death, and these things that we have to bring back to our forefront and meditate on these things because some of us are living as if uh, we're going to eat and drink and tomorrow we die and it's going to be all over but I want you to know that it's not going to be all over. First of all, you're going to have to account for what you've done 
in this body. Amen? You're going to have to account. You're going to have to give an account for how you lived in this body. And so we thank God for the promises of God. And so we can be encouraged to know that that there's more to Christianity than just the promises of God here in this life because all of us, uh, all of us don't have pie in the sky and all of us don't have million-dollar homes and all of us don't have uh, everything that everybody else has. But it reminds me of uh, the gentleman uh, who... Uh, who lifted up his eyes uh, in hell, and he saw he was in Abraham's bosom. Uh, Let me see. Luke, the 16th chapter and the 22nd verse. Luke 16 and 22. And I think we'll, we'll read more than that. Okay, and this is what I'm saying. Uh, In the 19th verse, Luke, the 16th chapter and the 19th verse, it said, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. All of us don't have that benefit, okay? And the scripture says in verse 20, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And so this particular man did not have the same benefit as this rich man who fared sumptuously sumptuously every day. As a matter of fact, he was a beggar and he was sick. And so, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And the scripture says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So this is why we are comforted with an eternal life or life after death, because all of us don't have the benefit of a great, wonderful life while we're here on earth. Amen. Uh, a, a lot of our ancestors died as slaves, died uh, beaten and, 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 and wounded uh, by the slave master and the slave traders. A lot of us died uh, coming across uh, on ships coming from Africa to America. Uh, a lot of us died by disease. And, and all of us don't have the benefit of a wonderful life here on earth. And so we thank God for the promise of eternal life. And so the scripture says that um, uh, the, the poor beggar died, but he was in, the angels carried him uh, into Abraham's bosom. And so this is uh, 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 indicative of a great place, perhaps like paradise, a place of comfort, a place of peace, a place of plenty. And uh, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted 
and thou art tormented. And so, and beside all of this, not, not only because you did not bless this man while he was living and while you had an opportunity to do good, uh, even if Lazarus did have mercy on you, he said there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that will come from thence. So it's like there's a great cavern that you cannot cross and, 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 and get to that. And so as he goes on, uh, he says, Father, uh, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. And so he is witnessing that there is a place of torment after death. There is a horrible place that uh, uh, is after death. And he says, he said, I want you to go to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went up to them from the dead, they will repent. And so he's saying that, yeah, uh, uh, Abraham is saying there is a word left here for them. Let them hear the word of the Lord. But he's saying, no, I don't want them to hear that. I want them to hear somebody that comes up from the dead. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And so I want you to know that there is power in the word of God. And that is what, that is the tool that God uses to bring man to repentance. And so he's saying that if they don't hear the word of God, they're not going to hear one that rose from the dead. So I'm saying all this to say that uh, we need to believe uh, that there is life after death. And although uh, uh, we are, if, 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 like Paul said, if there is only Christ in this life only, then I of all men am most miserable. And so we need to have a hope, a greater hope, that there is something more than this. Amen? There is something more than uh, the treadmill of getting up, trying to make a living, the treadmill of trying to make sure we have food on the table, the treadmill of trying to make sure the mortgage is paid, and the heartaches that come uh, with uh, situations and circumstances and the backstabbing that comes in our life. Amen. We, 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 we need to be comforted with knowing that there is something greater that God has promised us, that he didn't just come to give us a, a, a promise and a hope and a wish, but he came to give us eternal life. He came to give us life after death. And so uh, the scripture says that I have not seen. Let's see if we can find that. Are you are you are you still there? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go to First Corinthians, the second chapter. The ninth verse. 
Now, this is not just Paul saying this. Evidently, there it, it was written in the scripture, and we have to understand that all of the scripture has not been canonized in this Bible. He is referring to a writing that is saying, I have not seen. All right, this is not just him saying this. He's saying, but as it is written. And so he's, he is confirming or quoting from the word of God. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So he's saying that it is incomprehensible what God has prepared for us. It, I, I have not even seen, it has not even entered into the heart of man. So he's, he's actually quoting from Isaiah, the 64th chapter. Let's turn to Isaiah, the 64th chapter. Isaiah 64. So, so here Paul is quoting from the scripture. Isaiah 64 um, and the fourth verse. Well, let's start at the first verse because um, it is so wonderful how the scripture is written here. It says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causes the water to boil, waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. He's just magnifying God. He says, when thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. Even the mountains melt at the presence of God. And so the fourth verse says, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. And so we see that Paul is quoting from the scriptures. He's quoting from the text that eye hasn't seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for him that loves him, that waited for him. So I'm saying to you, beloved, that there is a life that God has prepared for us that is going to be uh, unspeakable, that we are going to be so overwhelmed. Our breath is going to be taken away by what God has prepared for us. And as we uh, have been sharing with you, that just like and I hope you're not getting tired of this analogy, but just like the infant child, when the baby is born, when the baby is an infant, uh, just like the infant child, when he's in the womb, all he understands is what he hears in the womb. All he, all he hears is the heartbeat of his mother and the swishing of the water that's around him. And all he sees is darkness all around him. And all he understands is the environment that he's encompassed by. But there's coming a time when he's going to move from this state of reality into another place of reality when the mother's water breaks and labor pains come in 
and the child is birthed from that state of being into a new reality. And all of a sudden, where it was dark, now there is great light and another level of comprehension. He couldn't even fathom this particular state of being in the womb. All he understood was darkness and and swimming around in water and the heartbeat of his mother. But now he's birthed into a new reality that was incomprehensible to him while he was in the womb. And so now he's coming into a new place and a new environment and a new way of being. Now he has to take in air, inhale and exhale, and now he hears sounds that were inaudible to him while he was in the womb. And now he can see things that he could not see in the womb because he has moved from one state of reality into another state of reality. And so that's the way it is with us. Uh, So here we are. We see through a glass darkly. We only uh, understand things mildly. You know, we don't understand everything um, the first Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and the 12th verse says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And so just like the baby in the womb can understand, could only hear things uh, uh, minimally, and they, he understood things uh, in a dark space, that's the way we are in comprehension in this life. We cannot even comprehend what the new life is going to bring and what it entails. And just like the new baby had to move from not breathing to breathing to exist, we're going to have to move from one state of being to another state of being. It's going to be so far beyond our comprehension. So uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and the 12th verse, it says, for now we see through a glass darkly. So we understand, you know, uh, uh, minimally. We, we understand uh, in part, but then we're going to see face to face. And he says, but now I know in part, okay? I only understand some of these things in part. We can only speak of these things in part because we, all, we don't have a full comprehension of it. We don't even have a, 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 a thimble full of a comprehension of what this new life is going to entail. And so he says, for uh, now I know in part, but then I sh- shall I know even as also I am known. I am going to know Christ as he knows me. I am going to know and see him just like he is. When he shall appear, I'm going to appear just like him. And so, we, beloved, we're saying to you that we want you to move beyond uh, this place of, of um, uh, 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 just thinking that this is all that there is, and we want to encourage you to continue to hope in Christ, and everybody that has this hope purifies himself. And so I'm going to uh, open the floor for those of you who would like to uh, comment. Well, if there are no comments, uh, then we're going to go ahead and close out Bible study. Beloved, 
But we hope that you have been encouraged to live beyond the hope of just Christ in this life, but to focus on that God has promised us eternal life and he has promised us life after death. And so um, uh, we continue. I'm so blessed to understand that there is life after death because I'm praying that uh, some of my loved ones uh, are in the bosom of Abraham as the scripture speaks right now, that they are being comforted because I know some of my loved ones did not have a comfortable life while they were here. Uh, they, they were tormented and, 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 and wounded and, and, and rejected. But I pray that and I'm comforted in knowing that there is a life after death and that they perhaps are comforted in the uh, uh, bosom of Abraham or in paradise. Uh, as Jesus said to uh, the guy on the cross, he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And no, we cannot explain what the hereafter is and, and, and paradise and the different places that God has prepared for us because he said there is a gulf between us and them. There is a great gulf between, uh, first of all, hell and Abraham's bosom, and then there is a gulf between us and hell and us and Abraham's bosom. There is a division, a great divide. And so uh, we don't know. We, we can't say what is and what is not. We can just believe and hope that uh, at his return that he'll catch us up with him and that mortality will put on immortality and that corruptible will put on incorruptible and that we will live with him forever. Somebody say amen. 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 All right, then, we're going to close. We're going to ask you to close out in prayer, whoever that was that said amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you, dear God, for Bible study tonight. Dear God, thank you for giving us an understanding, dear God, that there is a new life for us, dear God. And it is a life, God, that we know is not made by hands, hands here on earth, dear God. But it's a new life that God has promised us, dear God. If we just continue to study and to learn of him and to walk in his obedience, dear God, we can go with the hope, God, that we, when we die, that our spirit don't die and that it will rise again and that we will be like Jesus where we have corruptible here, we will put on incorruptible. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you keep us all in the straight and narrow, and thank you, dear God, for continuing to anoint apostle, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, beloved. Go in peace. Grace and peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.